This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Before the Baal Shem Tov was known as a great tzaddik, and soon after his marriage, he spent his time wandering around from town to town, selling bricks that he made out of mud. He had a horse and a cart, and he and his wife would travel into the forest, dig up mud, put it into wooden molds, let it dry in the sun, take it out of the molds, and bring it into town and sell them. And of course, this was very difficult work. And the Baal Shem Tov's holy Rebbitzin had grown up in a very wealthy home. And she wasn't used to hard labor like this. But since she loved her husband and had compassion on him, she went out with a shovel and helped him every day to dig the bricks. And sometimes they traveled from town to town for weeks on end without anyone noticing them at all. Because they just looked like another couple of poor Jews. And over time, the Baal Shem Tov's old horse grew so weak that it wasn't able to carry the cart. And not just the cart... But the Baal Shem Tov and his Rebbitzin on the cart. And of course the Baal Shem Tov knew that if he didn't have a new horse, which he couldn't afford, then he wouldn't be able to support himself. And he saw some poor Jews along the way, and he said to them, What do you suggest I do? They said there's a wealthy Jew in the village near Uman, whose name is Reb Baruch, and he's famous for his achnasat ochim, for his hospitality. Whenever a poor person came in with their wagon, Reb would offer to exchange the old horse for one of his younger horses. And he would use the old horse for some light work around the farm, give the new horse to the person that came to spend some time with him. So the Baal Shem Tov and his wife decided that they would head over to the village near Uman to Reb to exchange their old horse. And since the horse couldn't pull them and the cart, they walked alongside the horse. And it took them several weeks to get there. Reb had fled his hometown in what's now the Czech Republic, to go to Russia because he was running away from the pogroms, the goyim who were killing Jews ruthlessly. And looking for personal safety for himself and his family, he moved to this town near Uman. And even though Reb Baruch wasn't a Torah scholar, he was just a simple businessman. He was very straightforward and a God-fearing man, as was his wife, Rachel. They did many things to help their fellow Jews. But their main mitzvah was Achnasat Ochim, was hosting people in their home. And it got to be that so many Jews were coming to Reb Baruch and Rachel that they built a separate home with many small rooms, each of them with two beds and a table. And anyone who came was welcome to stay for one week. They were given two meals a day. And on Shabbos, Reb Baruch and his wife joined all the poor people for the Shabbos meals. Whenever a poor couple came, if they came with their children, they were given their own room as a family. But if a husband and wife came without children, Reb Baruch wasn't sure if they were really married, and so he wouldn't give them room together. There was general room for the men, and a general room for the women, and that's where he would put them. And before any of the poor guests left, Reb Baruch would give money to the men, and his wife Rachel would give to the women. And so, this was the home that the Baal Shem Tov and his Rebetzin came to, after weeks of walking with their old horse and cart. And when they finally arrived, the first thing they were given was a meal. And as they were eating, Reb Baruch immediately told his servants to replace the old horse with a new one. And the Baal Shem Tov was very relieved. 
Just like the poor Jews he had met weeks ago had told him, soon as he arrived, Rabaruch switched out his horse. And he told Rabaruch, thank you so much, I'm so grateful, my wife and I are so grateful for the food and the hospitality. And they were so tired from walking for so many weeks that they asked Rabaruch if they could stay for a few days until after Shabbos. And Rabaruch said, yeah, of course, everyone's welcome here for one week at least. He said, but you should know that I have a rule. If you come here as a married couple and you don't have children, and I'm not sure if you're really married, so I put the men in the men's room and the women in the women's room. And I hope that's okay with you. And the Baal Shem Tov liked this very much. Even though he really was married to his wife, he liked how strict this Reb Baruch was. And throughout the entire Shabbos, there was nothing special about the Baal Shem Tov that made him stand out from any of the other poor people that were there. And on Motzi Shabbos, after Shabbos was out, Reb Baruch was preparing to go to sleep for the night. And he looked out his window and he sees there's a bright light shining out of the guest house into his room. And you know, in those days, if there was a fire, since everything was made out of wood, it could all burn down. And he thought, maybe there's a fire in the guest house. So he got dressed quickly, and he ran over to the guest house. And as soon as he entered, he didn't smell any smoke, so he knew it wasn't a fire. And now he was just curious. What is this bright light coming out of the room? And he tiptoed up the stairs. To the door of the room peeked in the keyhole and saw the new arrival, the Baal Shem Tov, sitting on the floor reciting the Tikkun Chatzot, the prayers said at midnight to mourn the destruction of the Holy Temple and the exile of the Shekhinah, of the Divine Presence. And Rebbeuch put his ear on the door, straining to listen, to hear what his guest was saying. And he was saying, Lama lanetach tishkachenu ta'azvenu la'orach yamim. Why do you forget us for all eternity and forsake us for so long? And the Baal Shem Tov's arms were spread towards the heavens, and his face was shining, and his eyes were tearing. Then Reb Baruch realized the Baal Shem Tov wasn't sitting there by himself. Next to him was a very holy-looking Jew, dressed all in white, with a long beard, and obviously very tall and thin. And when Reb Baruch saw this holy figure next to the Baal Shem Tov, he became scared, tottered a little bit, and then collapsed on the floor. When the Baal Shem Tov heard the thud, he quickly got up and opened the door. And he saw Reb Baruch laying passed out on the floor. Reb Baruch, Reb Baruch, wake up! The Baal Shem Tov was calling him. But Reb Baruch was out, cold. The Baal Shem Tov tried to massage him and shake him until he woke up. And realizing that his guest was no ordinary poor Jew, Rebbeuch fell at the feet of the Baal Shem Tov and said, Rebbe, please, forgive me for putting you separate from your wife. I have no doubt that that woman is your wife and that you're a married couple. And the Baal Shem Tov helped pick Rebbeuch up. He said, Baruch, please. First of all, I was very happy that you separated me and my wife. That was fine, you couldn't have known. But now what you saw tonight, the light coming out of the room, you can never tell anyone what you saw all the days of your life. And if you promise me that you will never share what you saw, I will give you a blessing or something that I know you need. The whole time Rebbeuch was just staring at the Baal Shem Tov in shock. The Baal Shem Tov said, I know you've only had daughters until now. And I'm going to give you a bracha, a blessing, that your wife give birth to a son. But I'm telling you now that this won't just be any child. Your son is going to grow up to be a great tzaddik. And your wife has to be careful to nurse him by herself. 
and not hire a wet nurse, another woman, to nurse him, like she did with your daughters. And Rebbeuch listened carefully, and then he responded, Amen, ken yiratzon. Amen, may it be his will. And then Rebbeuch said, Please, Rebbe, I'm sorry for being chutzpadik, but I have one question. Who was that old man in the white robe that was standing next to you in the room? He's disappeared. Baal Shem Tov said, mm, If you merited to see him, then I will reveal this secret to you. That was the soul of the holy Maharal, Rabbi Yehuda Leib ben Betzalel of Prague, of whom, Rabbi Baruch, you are a direct descendant. And it was decreed in heaven that the time has come for the soul of the Maharal to come and live another life in this world in order to fix his soul by doing awesome deeds in this world. And it is your privilege of you and your wife to have this lofty soul be your future son. And so, I'm telling you, you can add whatever name you want to his name, but you must include the name Leib in his name. And Rebaruch was so happy. He had tears in his eyes. And the Baal Shem Tov said, Rebaruch, I promise you that after the baby is born, I will see him and bless him myself. And Rebaruch said, Holy Master, I hope you're not going to be angry with me, but I have one more question for you. And the Baal Shem Tov was just silent. And Rebaruch said, I would love to know your name and where you're from, and allow me to provide for you for all your needs, so that you don't need to wander around anymore and make bricks and be poor. And the Baal Shem Tov said, Please, Rebaruch, no more questions. It's not time for the world to know who I am right now. And just like me, your son will not be known early in life. And he'll have a life of poverty and will struggle. But eventually, he will be known as the great tzaddik that he will be. And his light will shine forth just like the sun. Now don't ask me any more questions. And promise me that you won't tell anyone what you've seen or what we've spoken about here. And when you see me tomorrow morning, don't show me any special honor or anything that would be different from any of the poor folk that are staying here. And tomorrow my wife and I will be on our way. And so Rebaruch went home. And the next day, the Baal Shem Tov left with his wagon and his new horse. And nobody heard a word of what had happened that night. But Rebaruch wrote down every detail of it in his diary which was discovered after he passed away. And that's how we know the story till today. And of course, the blessing of the Holy Baal Shem Tov came true. And Reb Baruch's wife, Rachel, gave birth to their first son. <laughs> and they were so happy. Reb Baruch sent word to all the neighboring towns that all the poor Jews should come to the bris milah, to the circumcision. And as you probably know, the Talmud says, your friend also has a friend. And so, when the time of the bris came, there were literally thousands of poor people there. Many of them had come with their wives and their children, and no one was left disappointed. Every needy visitor was given a warm bed, meals, if they needed a new horse, a new horse, and money to send them on their way after the bris was over. And the great day arrived, and there were hundreds of friends, thousands of people there. And everyone was smiling and beaming with joy. Everyone, except for Reb Baruch. Reb Baruch looked stressed, and he walked back and forth amongst the poor people, looking for the hidden tzaddik, whose blessing was the reason that they were having the bris that day. And he was worried, even though the hidden tzaddik had told him that he would be there to bless the child himself, he didn't see him. Until eventually, in the back of the crowd, with all the poor people, 
is the Helig Baal Shem Tov, standing there with his staff and a knapsack, and looking just like everyone else. And Reb Baruch worked his way through the crowd in order to say Shalom Aleichem to the Baal Shem Tov. But before he got there, Baal Shem Tov gave him a sign and motioned to him not to speak to him or honor the Baal Shem Tov in any way. Just treat me like all the other poor people here. And so the circumcision was done after Shachrit, and the baby was given the name Aryeh Leib. And as was the custom, then as it is now, the Kfater, followed by the father, carried the baby past all the guests, each of who would lay their hands on the baby's head and bless him and his father. And Reb Baruch made sure that the Kfater carried the baby all the way through the crowds of the poor folks until he reached the hidden tzaddik, the Baal Shem Tov. And along the way, everybody was blessing the baby. And then slowly, the father, the Kfater and the baby reached the Baal Shem Tov. And Reb Baruch looks at the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov places his holy hands on the baby's head and says in a loud and happy voice, Look, I'm only an Amaretz. I'm only an ignoramus. And I don't know how to give blessings in the holy tongue. But I do remember something that my father taught me about a verse in the Chumash. It said, Avraham Zaken, that Avraham was old. And he said that the Hebrew word Av, which is the beginning of the name Avraham, means father. And the second word, Zaken, means grandfather or Zaidi. And what that means is that our forefather Avraham was essentially the Zaidi, the grandfather of all of us. And so I want to bless this baby that he also grow up to be the grandfather of all the Jewish people, just like Avram Avinu was. And everybody thought it was funny. What a cute joke, and what a cute poor Jew knows nothing about Torah, can't even bless in Hebrew, only in Yiddish. And people thought it was so funny, they actually called the baby Zaidi, grandfather. And people would go to Reb Baruch and they'd say, hey, how's your Zaidi doing? And eventually the parents started calling their son, our little Zaidi Lee, our little grandfather. And the name stuck. And throughout his whole life, Reb Arya Leib was called Zaidi. And just like the Baal Shem Tov promised, as he grew older, he became one of the great Sadikim, one of the great Hasidic Rebbe's who helped his brothers and sisters through acts of kindness in this world and even in the world above. And he was known as the dancing and singing Rebbe, a story that I'll tell another time, my friends, Bezat Hashem. And because of his warmth towards his fellow Jews, he was loved in his time and is remembered to this day as the Spoiler Zaidi. May his memory be for a blessing. I want to share one more short story with you. It's not really so much a story as something that someone told me the other day in shul. So I daven in a very special shul in Yerushalayim, in the holy city, called Batei Rand. And it's a Hasidic shul in Nachlaot, kind of a satellite of Meir Sharim. When I first started davening there, everyone spoke Yiddish. I've been there for over 25 years, so that generation has passed away. And now there's new faces there. I'm becoming one of the older faces there. And this older American gentleman sat next to me in shul. And you know, it says in the davening in the morning, in the at least the Chabad sitter that I use, we say before davening, I accept upon myself the mitzvah of loving my fellow Jew. And what that means is that 
Really, the person who's sitting next to you should say Shalom Aleichem to them. Have a little conversation with them. And I normally don't like to do it, but I know that it's a mitzvah, so I always say hi to people sitting next to me in shul. And I said hi to this guy, and I said, where are you from? He said, he's from Brooklyn. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, my wife and I are visiting for the summer. I said, well, welcome home. He saw my tefillin. So I have Chabad tefillin, and there's a picture of 770 on my tefillin bag. It's clear that you can see from what I use for Shachrit in the morning that I'm a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he says to me, can I tell you a story about the Rebbe? I said, yeah, I happen to like stories. He said, I'm a computer science professor in one of the colleges in New York. And one day, this was many years ago, this was in the 70s, this guy comes to my department wearing a feather and a headband, looking like a real hippie. And he says to me, I'm here to learn computer science. I said to him, what's your story? He said, well, I grew up Jewish, but I traveled to India and I was in India for 10 years. And I went from guru to guru and I've reached this high spiritual place, but I feel like I'm not grounded. And so I thought if I learn computer science, that'll really ground me. So this professor, who's a religious Jew, he says to him, come to my house and I'll show you something that will not only ground you, but will bring you to high spiritual heights. So he says, sure. So he comes to the professor's house and he shows him his tefillin. The guy's never seen tefillin in his life. He says, what do you do with it? He said, let me show you. He puts the head tefillin on the guy's forehead. And the hippie, he moves it from his forehead up into the middle third of his head. And the professor says, what are you doing? He says, ah, you don't understand. This box here, it has a special light coming out of it. And clearly, it needs to be between these two chakras here on my head, not on my forehead down here. It's the wrong place. The professor was pretty impressed. He then puts the armed fillin on the guy. And the guy adjusts it so that the armed fillin are facing his heart. And the professor says, why did you do that? He said, ah, well, this belongs to this chakra over here. And then as he's standing there with the tefillin on and saying, shma, he says to the professor, you're right. This is grounding and bringing me to a high spiritual place as well. So the guy started studying computer science and the professor wanted to help him come closer to Yiddishkeit. And even though he wasn't a Lubavitcher, he said, you want to come with me and meet my guru? And the hippie said, sure, yeah, who's your guru? He said, come, we're going to go to 770 in Brooklyn. He says, yeah, sure. And the professor says they get there and the place is packed. The Rebbe is giving a Ferbrengen and they're given the little earpieces with the translation in English. The professor said half the time it didn't work. He couldn't hear anything. So the hippie takes it off his ear. And for an hour and a half, he just stares at the Rebbe. When the Ferbrengen is over, the professor says to the hippie, no, what did you get out of this? The hippie said, listen, I spent 10 years in India. I met every guru that I could, and I learned all that I could from them. He said, that Rebbe, he is the chief guru of all the gurus. No one comes close to the energy that was coming out of the Rebbe. And he was so in shock by observing the Rebbe. He said to the professor, let me tell you something. The Rebbe is like the man in the control room, pulling all the levers and making everything happen. He said, holiness like that, with all the years I was in India. I never saw anything like it. And so I said to the professor after he told me the story the other day, so what happened to the guy? He said, oh, he went back to India. He didn't become from. He didn't become religious. I said to the professor, what do we know about from and religious? And what do you know? Maybe right now he's putting tefillin on somebody and telling him, this goes on the chakra on your forehead. This goes on the chakra on your heart. May we merit, my sweetest friends, to always see the light that's coming out of the mitzvahs. It's coming out of being a Jew. 
There's no greater gift in the world than to be a Jew. And I hope that you always get to see the light of it, the joy of it, and dance, thanking Hashem. Shalom Asani Goy. You know, in the morning we say the bracha, Baruch Ata Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Shalom Asani Goy. Thank you, Hashem, for not making me a heathen, for not making me a non-Jew. That's not a blessing. That's just saying to Hashem, Ah, so you didn't make me a non-Jew. Baruch Hashem. But now it's my job to make myself a Jew. You didn't make me a Goy, but it's my job to be a Jew. So may we all dance in the light of being a Jew. Like the Shpola Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the Hippie. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friend, as always. You know, every week these days, I'm getting emails and messages from people that listen to the podcast, and people also stop me on the street in Jerusalem. And I just want to thank you all for the words of encouragement and for all the comments you leave, all of them. I really appreciate it. Please keep writing to me, sharing your feedback, stopping me on the street. If you want to write to me, you can send me an email. It's pretty simple. My first name. My last name at gmail.com or go to Facebook and find me the same way or leave me a comment on YouTube. I read them all and would love to hear from you. And if you would like to become a contributor to the podcast, it's pretty easy to do. You go to my website, HasidicStory.com, and you'll see there's a place to give a donation, a contribution. Everything is greatly appreciated and used for doing mitzvot in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening, my sweetest friends, and I look forward to our next story together. Mazel